I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I have been teaching to you about demons and their origin. I've got a title here on the board. Documentation for the Origin of Demons, Genies, Fairies, Guardian Angels, Genius, and Totems. There's many other things that are related to the same thing. And that would be familiar spirits, which means bottle. That's what that's what you put a genie in, is in a bottle. And witches, which is the word kosov. A witch, when the Bible says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, in the Old Testament, that's, that doesn't mean an old hag riding around on a broom, cackling with a long hooked nose with warts on it. Which Kosov meant to meant to speak smooth words. Now, what I want to do is to try to document where these things come from. In the New Testament, the word demon is the word daemonion, d a i m o n i o n. Eric, you got two words for devil. But in the King James Bible, you've only got devil in the New Testament. You've got the word diabolos. I'll teach on that one day, but right now I'm talking about the demons. Then you have the word daemonion, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Diabolos means to deduce or lead someone astray. Lead astray. And daemonion comes from the word daemon, D-A-I-M-O-N, which means a deity, which is a god, which is a god, or it means to distribute fortunes. That's man's problem is wanting more money, fortunes. Now, I've got over here on the left side of the board, all of these, what the Jews call demons, when you cross the boundary line and go into another culture, these all were different. The, the I'm documenting, they were all a man's imagination in different cultures of the ancient world. What you have to do is you have to study Society in different in different periods. Society. We get the we get the word sociology. S o c i a l, sociology. From the word society, that's a study of culture in different areas of the world at different time periods. I took a a course in sociology when I went to college. And the Irish, what the Jews call demons, the Irish call genies or jinn. Jinn is plural. Notice I spelt genie over here. I spelt genie, G-E-N-I-E. But they spelt it G-E-N-I-I and J-I-N-N is plural for genie. And you find gin everywhere. 
and what the Arabs and the Jews called demons and genies. If you believe in demons, you have to believe in genies. Genies distribute wishes to you. You get your wish and your desires. Well, what the Arabs and Jews call demons and genies, the Irish people are the Celts. And any time you think of Celtic magicians, you think of Druids. And they called these fairies. You had all kinds of fairies. You had... You had uh, uh, pixies and you had brown fairies which were supposed to be evil had all kinds of fairies I got a book here on the fairy faith in Celtic countries I'm going to read something to you about that and then the Greeks called them guardians or guardian angels as you're reading these different characters in different in different situations when you look at fairies in the uh, Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion, they will give you unbelievable amount of information on fairies. They will tell you that fairies, they'll interchange fairies and demons and interchange totems. you got totems all over the world in all uh, cultures. They all said these demons are fairies this was their kinfolk who had died and they were reincarnated into the form of a deity. A deity is a god. That's what, that's what I said over here. When it says Daemon in your concordance, it'll say a deity or a god, one who distributes fortunes. Well, that's just not true. If they were here, they would be here today, and there's no such thing as demons. If there's demons, there's genies and fairies, and the Greeks called them guardians. You'll see guardian interspersed in all these fairy uh, works and all the different uh, cultures. And the American, the Romans called them genius, which was a gifted person. If you're gifted with a high IQ. You can do any number of things you want to do. And the American Indian called them totems, but the American Indian did not invent totem. You got totem all through this fairy faith of Celtic countries. You got totems. Totem actually means kinfolk. Means your kindred. They said this was their this was nothing but ancestor worship. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember somebody talking, one of my teachers, talking about Shintoism of Japan. And Shintoism is ancestor worship. Well, so is demons. So is vampires or night creatures. And it will tell you that the vampire, I've got an article here on the vampires out of out of this Hastings Dictionary over here. It's just in the V volume and it says vampire. And listen to what it says. What I'm trying to do is document to you these are all the same thing. Vampire. A vampire may be defined as the spirit of a dead person. That's ancestors. Or his corpse reanimated by 
his own spirit. Or by a demon, see they're calling vampires demons, by a demon returning to sap the life of the living by depriving them of blood or of some essential organ. Now vampires, oh you know what that takes us to? Vampires are blood drinkers, aren't they? And Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So we are blood drinkers, but not literal blood. Jesus turned around and defined what eat flesh and drink blood meant. He said, my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. So when we eat flesh and drink blood, we eat of indeed. And that word is alethase, which is of truth. Of truth And it comes from lanthano, which means to hide or conceal. And the alpha privative, which is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, which negates the word that follows it. So it means not to hide anything. So when you don't hide the truth from people and you tell them what demons are and what all these are, they're all night creatures. When you look in... The Jewish encyclopedia called the Judaica. I've got it at home. It's a 17-volume set. J-U-D-I-A-C-A. They will tell you that the Jews will tell you that demons always had to go out at night. And they had to be back to their abode, wherever they stayed, at by dawn. Well, that's a vampire, isn't it? They'll tell you about these creatures. You know what that reminds us of? When Jesus was to, to show you what the demon really is, what the vampire really is, you go over there to the third chapter of John. In fact, let's go over there and look at that. Because this is really what a vampire is. It's really you. This is what a demon is. It's you and me. It's that outer man that can't do right. Look here in John 3. And this will kind of assure you what this actually says. It seems as though God arranged for these people that were corrupting the word of God, he allowed them to to get involved in something that was very parallel to the truth. In fact, Paul warns people about parallel doctrines. He says, mark them which cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrines. You have learned contrary is the word para. It's our word parallel. You've got a Jesus. He's the wrong Jesus. He's the other Jesus. Another spirit, another gospel. Like Paul spoke of in Second Corinthians 11 and 4. And they have a baptism and a washing and all of that. It's a parallel Jesus. Well, that's what these demons and vampires and and these fairies, they feed. <coughs> and I've studied enough of these to find out they had good and bad demons. They had good and bad fairies. They had, they'll make these movies of these fairies, and they've got the right idea. They're evil, and they'll come out and spit and fire and screaming and yelling, except... That's not really about fairies. That's about human beings that don't have any regeneration. Look here. In John 3, 
He's talking about believing God. Look at verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the combination that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness just like demons, just like genies, just like fairies. They're night creatures. This is talking about evil men. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The demon is you. The vampire is you. Let me read that thing on vampires. What did I do? I set it down somewhere. All right. This is uh, an amazing thing. Now, this is out of Hastings' Encyclopedia of Religion. It's about vampires. Retired, they they have the spirit of demons returning to sap the life of the living by depriving them of blood or of some essential organ in order to augment its own vitality. We call people that cheat people blood suckers, sucking the life out of people. These forms a particular aspect of the general belief that ghosts or spirits sent by sorcerers can annoy the living in various ways or cause their sickness or death. The vampire is often one who has died an untimely death or whose afterlife is unhappy or a dead being, well-known, soul or life vehicle. It was supposed that the ghosts are vampires. They're ghosts. Ghost, we get the word ghost from the word guest. G-U-E-S-T. It's a house guest. And a and a haunted house, it's a guest. Until the owner comes back, they look after a house, the ghost does, until the owner comes back. That's nothing but pure uh, fantasy. And they were... Now, listen to this. They were well-known examples of the shades for whom Odysseus sacrificed sheep on his visit to Hades. Shades. They were also called shades. That's what demons were called. Let me give you something over here in Acts. They believed, the people back in the first century believed that shades were demons. I've got that in many, many books. Let me see if I can find that here. I haven't read it in a while. All right. Shades. I didn't know I was going to read this, but I thought I'd see if I could find it real quick. Okay. Shades were shadows, right? Look over here in Acts 5. It's talking about Peter. And... Verse 15. Well, let's read 14 and 15. Believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick unto the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow or the shade of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them because they believed shades were demons and could do them favors. This is not saying that Peter said they could be healed (coughs) in his shadow. 
you have to know what the people believed in the first century. They believed that shades could heal them because they were demons. That's why it says that. But you wouldn't know that in a hundred years if you didn't read these papers that I'm reading. <coughs> Let me read this the rest of this. about. I have meant to read some of this about vampires before. And then it goes on to talk about the dead are still living in a tomb and can encounter an intruder uh, or come forth uh, from it to talk and feast with the living or to cause them annoyance. It was also held that a malicious spirit or an evil spirit might take possession of a corpse and vitalize it or make bring it to life for sinister purposes to prevent the return of the dead whether bodily or a ghost many precautions were in use enclosing the grave in a high fence piling heavy stones upon it diverting the course listen to this diverting the course of a stream what would you call a living stream a water that was flowing down off a mountain. What would you call? Living. What would you call it? Living. Living what? Water. Living water. Living water. Jesus told the woman at the well, I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again. And living water to them was a running stream from a mountain. This is utterly amazing. This is another parallel doctrine. Listen to this. Enclosing the grave with a high fence, piling heavy stones upon it, diverting the course of a stream in order to bury its bed, then permitting it to flow as before, binding the corpse or binding the vampire. Do you realize how close to the truth that is? When we're blood baptized in the blood of Christ... That's casting out devils. You remember that? If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the truth, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. So it is by blood baptism that self is cast out, which is the true demon. Permitting it to flow as before, binding the corpse securely, this is done for other reasons or mutilating it. So, now let me get on down to the end of this. This is about vampires, and it sounds like demons, and it sounds like fairies. All right. In modern Greece, the vampire belief, vampires doesn't go back to Bram Stoker in the 1800s when he wrote Dracula. They were in the ancient world. In fact, one of the Slavic leaders was called Vlad the Impaler, V-L-A-D. And that's where they get, he was from one of the Slavic countries, that's why the vampire is supposed to come from Transylvania, which is in Slavic area, which we used to call Yugoslavia, now it's Herzegovina. It's amazing how this stuff is parallel. And he goes on to say, 
the Slavic superstition holds that various persons become vampires after death or demons. The corpse is revitalized and thirsts for blood. You know what that's called? The living dead. And we as believers are living in a world where most of the people in the world are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. They're dead spiritually and they're living, walking around. And we got a TV show called The Living Dead. That's what we I keep saying. Most of the people you deal with out here in the world are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. The Bible says so. That only a few are going to find the narrow way and many go in the way of destruction, the wide gate that leads to destruction. Many go in thereat. So most of the people in the world, we're walking around in the world of the living dead. They might as well be vampires because they're trying to suck the blood out of the life of the believer. Not the literal blood, but the life-giving blood of Christ. Then it goes on to say the corpse is revitalized. Its ravages begin with relatives, then attacks other victims. It would begin with relatives because that's what's in our household, right? Its ravages occur by night. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Man is the vampire. Its ravages occur by night. The grave must be re-entered by cockcrow. Else the vampire must remain wherever he is stiff and helpless. They say that the demons in the Jewish books, they have to be back by dawn. Among the Slavs, when the grave is opened and the corpse is found to be fresh, swollen with blood and lifelike, it is transfixed through the region of the heart with a stake. What is it that destroys this outer man? What is it that destroys him? Isn't it a stake? Remember the word cross is the word staros. It means a stake. Of course they buried the stipes up into the ground and it was a stake and they brought the patibulum and laid the man down on it and nailed him to it. So it's the cross that destroys the vampire. It's there's no such thing as vampires. That's you and I when we're unregenerated. I, I really like that. That is just astounding to me. A person who committed suicide was often buried at a crossroads, the body transfixed with a spear or a stake. It's amazing to me how God allowed these people to make parallel doctrines in evil so it would blind the eyes of the non-elect. The head of the vampire was cut off. Now listen to this. Another effectual way to burn the corpse to ashes, but care was taken to drive back into the fire every creature which might come out of it worms, snakes, beetles, birds 
lest the vampire should have embodied itself in them and so review, resume its foul work. How do you get rid of a vampire? A sorcerer armed with a saint's picture is supposed to drive the vampire into a bottle. Well, that's where Junie goes, isn't it? That's what a familiar spirit is. Familiar spirit in the Old Testament is the word ob, and it means bottle. And when the when the translators of the Septuagint, the Septuagint was a translation of Hebrew, the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek. Why Greek? Because Alexander the Great, this happened about 200 B.C. Alexander the Great lived from around 332 B.C. B.C. to 3, around 318 at the very latest B.C. That was Alex the Great. He gave all the world all of its dialects of Greek, dialect, dialectos, that's the word they used in second Acts, Acts the second chapter. How here we ever man in our own dialect where we were born. That was brought in the world by Alex the Great. And they had he gave all the world all of his glossa, foreign languages, foreign languages, and he gave the world all of his philosophies. And any time in the New Testament, Epicureanism, Stoicism, any time in the New Testament when the Bible would speak of Greeks, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, that was a reference to the world's culture and languages they were speaking because the Romans didn't have much culture. They were a bunch of butchers. And and the Greeks and the Romans kept the Greek culture, their language, their philosophies, all of their sayings, when the Romans were ruling after they had subjugated the Greek, the the four Greek generals that took over Alexander the Great's empire. So, and they call this culturalization Hellenism or Hellas. Hellas was the culturalized Greece as Greek in a culture. Now let me get back here to the vampire. What's amazing, or actually, let me get to the bottle. And that's how you caught a vampire, and that's where a genie comes from. When you have the word familiar spirit in the Old Testament, familiar spirit was the word ob, means bottle. And when these translators, around 200 B.C., translated the Hebrew text into the Greek so all the world that spoke Greek could read it. When they translated it, they translated the word, when you see LXX, that's 70 Roman numerals, there were 70 translators that translated the the Hebrew text into Greek, into Greek, and 70 is LXX, and that is stands for Septuagint, S-E-P-T-U-I, G-I-N-T. That's the Septuagint. 
And in the Septuagint, when these translators translated Ob, Batal, which is the word familiar spirit, they translated it. You can get this out of a Hebrew book that's equivalent to the Kittles, except it's in the Hebrew, and I've got some of those books. They translated the word Ob into E-N-G-A-S. T-R-O-M-U-T-H-O-S. In gastromuthos, this means a myth. That's what muthos is. Within, that's in, E-N. Gastro is the word stomach. You have gastrointestinal problems. Take Pepto-Bismol. It's a myth in the stomach. And they knew that these things were not true. The translators simply translated Ob into a myth in the stomach, and the stomach was the stomach of a goat that they called a bottle, and they would dry that out and leave one end open, and they would put a strap on it and plug up this other end. It was a goat's stomach that they called a bottle, And ventriloquists, they had mastered ventriloquism, and they called that peeping and muttering. Peep and mutter. Peep and mutter. And they would claim to be talking to your ancestors, your demons, inside the bottle. That's why it was a death sentence to cheat people out of the money, telling them you were talking to their ancestors. The whole thing is... All this is a scam about demons. But the charismatics don't don't know this, and they don't even care. I've got all kinds of documentation on this. Uh, let me see here. Further And further link of connection is found in the fact that both vampires and werewolves are believed to incense storm to cause storms, drought, famine, cattle plague. Both are killed by aspen stake. What causes that? That's the judgment of God. That's not demons that's causing that or vampires. And then he talks about eating flesh and drinking blood again. And it's just, it's, it's insane what people have used their imagination to create. I've got all kinds of things here. I'm trying to document for you. There's no such thing as demons. If there is, there's such thing as fairies. I've got a book here. It's Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries. This was by Evans and Wentz, the classic study of leprechauns, pixies, and other fairy spirits. And I'll just read something to you. You can go back here to the index. This is sociology of ancient fairies in Ireland and in among the English countries. Wherever you went to, they had their own version of this. And you can look up exorcism in here on all these different pages. You can look up fairy abduction of animals. Fairies are, The bad fairies are supposed to abduct you. Then you've got uh, druids and their materialism. And I don't have time to read all these. You've got Sir Galahad in here. 
Why? That's amazing because you can look in you can look up in Hastings, you can look up Arian A R Y A N A maybe this one's right. A R Y A N A R Y A N Arian legend in the Hastings Arian legend and that is the race that Hitler was looking for Hitler was looking for a superior race when he sent Himmler over to Tibet which was in Mongolia and that was that's where the the Dalai Lama lives and he's the head of Buddhism and he sent him over there to look for an Aryan race because he knew that those Tibetan Buddhists had long arms and long legs and he thought superior race meant taller, longer, bigger, wider that was Aryanism I don't know what he was looking for an Aryan race for because he was a short little dumpy guy with a terrible looking mustache so he was looking for, and, and any number of my books will tell you he was looking for the fairies. What he was looking for were the fallen angels. And the fallen angels are identified with the fairies, or the demons, or the sons of God. That sons of, I don't have time to go into that. I preached on that dozens of times. So, when you get into this, notice all of this is tied together. It's all one big convolution. And you can look up in here. Of course, they said that the Aryan legend, you can look up Arthurian legend in the Hastings. A-U-T-H-O-R-I-A-N legend. King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, they will tell you, is thinly veiled, veiled, sun, and tree worship. Same thing Israel was involved in when they were involved in Baal and the Grove. Same thing. That's what the Arthurian legend is about. King Arthur, the funny thing, King Arthur, Arthur, before he became the king, they were looking for a man to draw the sword out of the rock. The sword reminds me, it's a parallel to the sword, which is the word of God, coming out of the rock, which is Christ. Can you see that? It's a parallel doctrine. That's why people are so fooled by these things that are just fairy tales. But gosh, that takes me to a book over here. I'll have to get to it. I can't give you all the documentation all of a sudden. This is a book on fairy tales. Fairies, even when we get into fairy tales, it's not any different than fairies that are the same thing as demons. When you get into fairy tales, you get into Cinderella. She had to be back by midnight, didn't she? There was a time they had to be back.
at dawn or at midnight. The timing was the same or she could lose her beautiful dress and slippers and so forth. Or Rumpelstiltskin, Rapunzel, let down your hair, Rapunzel. All of that was founded in fairy or demon tales, all of it. It's amazing how it's crept into, and you'll read in all these books how Walt Disney got a hold of it and made it a cartoon. And it's all the, the, it's uh, fooling mankind. And if you get into Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, King Arthur had 12 head knights, just like Jesus had 12 apostles. And Hitler, when, he, when Himmler brought back all of this from <coughs> Tibet, he made him a, a knight's table. He made himself a knight's table with 12 people, 12 of his major generals to sit at this table. You realize how convoluted this is, and I can't even hardly tell you all of it. It's so much. In fact, boy, it's amazing. Morgan Le Fay was Hitler's, uh, was Hitler's, wasn't Hitler's, was King Arthur's sister, wasn't he? Wasn't she? Morgan Le Fay. She was also, it was a transcrossing of characters because she was also Our Lady of the Lake. If you remember Our Lady of the Lake, if you saw the... All this is expressed in movies. The movie makers know more about mythology than the preachers do in America. Because if you'll notice, when Arthur is fighting fighting Lancelot, he breaks the sword and he casts it into the lake. And Our Lady of the Lake comes up with the with the full sword, and Arthur takes it out of the hand of Our Lady of the Lake. Lady of the Lake was a title for Roman Catholicism. We got a Lady of the Lake Catholic Church over here. You got Lady of the Lake all over America, and the Lady of the Lake comes out of Arthur's tale. It's just astounding. And I was going to tell you so. Oh. Morgan Le Fay. Morgan Le Fay comes from Moor. You know what a Moor is in England? You hear people talk about a Moor. That's the sea. When they speak of the sea, the Moor of the sea is down by the seashore. It, Morgan comes from Moor and La Fay. It means the sea fairy. Wait a minute. We got a sea demon that's called Dagon. All this is is a convolution of truth. Dagon. Dagon comes from dog, which is the word fish in the Hebrew. Dog and daga is plural. D-A-G-A-H. And Noah was deified among the pagans as the sea god because he survived the great flood. Can you see all of this parallel? 
That's what makes it hard to see the truth about these evil things. It's not just some some easy light fairy tale. So Morgan Le Fay means the sea fairy or the sea demon. And that's what Dagon of the Philistines was when they took when they took the Ark of the Covenant set up in the temple of Dagon there in 1 Samuel. It's just crazy the way all this stuff goes together. And the sword is a picture of the Word of God. And the whole idea of King Arthur was when he was a good king, this he's supposed to be a picture of Christ, when he was a good king, then the land brought forth its plenty. That's the same thing that God said in Deuteronomy 28, if obedient of my commandments, my laws, I'll fill up your storehouses, I'll fill up your land, I'll fill up your crops, your fields, you'll have all you need. The Arthurian legend is a convolution of that. And Merlin in the Arthurian legend, and you're going to find all through these books I've got, you're going to find changelings. And if you keep it in mind, every time I turn around, you'll 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 hear about changelings. Changelings. Merlin was said to be able to change himself into a wolf. Wait a minute. That's a that is a werewolf, isn't it? And when they would bring somebody that was lunatic to to Jesus, lunatic, there in Matthew, the 5th chapter, and Matthew, the 17th chapter, they brought lunatic. It comes from lunar. It means moonstruck. Good night. Do you realize how much that has crept into the real truth? Moonstruck. And that's a werewolf. And you had all of these old werewolf movies back in the 30s and the 40s. Lon Chaney always played the werewolf. And you had the walking dead, the the Frankenstein's monster. That all goes back out of to the truth. And the walking dead are the vessels of breath, fitted to destruction that have no hope of eternal life. And the werewolves, that's the werewolves. If you're going to look up werewolf in the encyclopedia, you don't look up werewolf. You look up the word lie can throw pee. Lycanthro will tell you all about werewolves 2,000 years ago. Bram Stoker evidently had studied, he was the guy that wrote Vampire in the 1800s. This has to do with truth. It's truth polluted, convoluted. That's what you got in the churches when they're talking about be baptized for the remission of sins. But we're baptized by blood for the remission of sins. What I'm trying to point out is how the preachers have taken all the truth and polluted it. It's being polluted in the Baptist churches, the charismatic and Pentecostal churches, 
churches there off the wall. So it's a lycanthropy. And when the man was brought, the boy was brought to Jesus, said, my son is a lunatic. Well, it meant someone that had epilepsy. Epilepsy. People, they didn't know how to determine epilepsy in the first century or someone who was extremely depressed. They didn't know what. They couldn't say he's schizophrenic or he's bipolar. I don't even believe in bipolar or schizophrenia. I was diagnosed as schizophrenic when I was about 26, 27. I was shaking all the time. I was nervous constantly because I couldn't get what I wanted in the music world. And I had no business being in that. It was full of a bunch of heathens and womanizers and gospel music was full of that. You guys ought to be ashamed of yourselves if one of you is watching. Because they would womanize, take girls on their buses, they'd drink and take pills, they'd take all kinds of drugs. It wasn't any different than rock musicians, a lot of them. So you get into all of this, and when you get into Arthur, he pulled the sword out of the rock. The sword comes out of Christ, who is the rock. And as long as Arthur was a good king, the land was okay and safe. And that's what God is saying. Your land will drill all that it needs, and you'll be safe. You can go into all these legends, and it's... I've got a got a book up here by a witch. Witches will tell you they do not worship Satan. They do not worship Satan. All of them will tell you they worship nature. Trees, waters, living waters. That's what they'll tell you they worship. I can't get to all of this stuff. And as I go along, you'll hear me read changelings. Where did that start? The serpent in the garden? Serpent changed himself. Satan changed himself, in a sense, to a serpent. And the word serpent is the word nakash. A nakash means to enchant. I love one writer's one writer's definition of it, he said it meant to kill with the eye. When Eve looked at the tree, she became an idolater. Idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. Idolatry is a form of ido. This is the Greek word. And latruo, it means to serve. Latruo, what you see, what you put into your eyes. Ecclesiastes 1.8 The eye is not filled with hearing, nor the, the eye is not filled with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The mouth will not simply utter it. All things are full of labor. You will labor to fulfill what you put in your eyes and your ears. And that's all of us. So you can look up Galahad in here. You can look up Fountain Lady. 
you can look up fallen angels. We're talking about a fairy book. Fallen angels are fairies, they say then here. But you're going to get that out of demon books. Changelings. There have been so many movies made about changeling. They had one made called The Changeling. That's a that's a mystical word out of paganism. Changelings. That's what men do. They change their self. And then you can look up Lancelot on page 312, 315 to 316 and 348. You can look up Leprechaun, which was a fairy. They've got a couple of pages on Modred. You know who Modred was? That was the son of Morgan Le Fay, his sister. When it's a long story, it was just the the son of Morgan Le Fay who tried to take over the kingdom from Arthur. And then you got necromancy in here, talking to the dead, which is the same thing as talking to the spirits in the bottle. Y'all realize how convoluted this whole thing is. You got nymphs in here. You got white lady totems all through here. You got totems. Let me just read a couple of things out of this. I've marked some things. Uh, talks about the testimony of Galway Piper. According to the next witness, Stephen Ruin, a piper of Galway with whom I have often talked, there is one class of fairies who are nobody else than the spirits of men and women who once lived on the earth. It's your dead ancestors. That's what demons are. And it goes on and on to talk about them. This is really interesting about fairies. Uh... The famine of 1846, I've heard about that in history, caused by fairies. See, the Jews would have said it was caused by demons. During 1846 and 1847, the potato crop in Ireland was a failure, and that's why they said the Irish people came here and brought their fairy system here. Brought their demons here. They talk about the gentry and the guardians. Gentry were guardians, and that was the higher class of of fairies. I can't read all this so much. Let me see here. One of them says, My mother once saw a leprechaun beside a bush hammering. Do I believe that? No, I don't believe that. That was somebody's imagination. The Shining Beings. You remember the movie The Shining? That was people could communicate with one another without talking. And it talks about those kinds of things. Those people didn't invent those things themselves that make the movies. The movies are just... The guys that make the movies are smarter than the Baptist preachers in America you can they made the movie uh, about uh, Perseus 
and uh, The Clash of the Titans, the first movie, The Clash of the Titans. The guys who made that in Hollywood did more studying than the preachers because they've got, in that movie, they've got Perseus, who is the hero. Demons were heroes when they were good demons. They were called heroes. That made them good good saviors. Well, they got Perseus going down and going down into Hades. Hades is a Greek word, ah, ito. It means the place to see. And the Alpha Privilege negates it. It means the place of the unseen. Well, that's what Hades means. So, Perseus goes across the river Styx. That was the name of a rock group. That's where they got this from. Styx was such separated hell from this world. It was the river Styx. So Perseus goes across the river and goes into Hades and finds the Medusa. This is nothing but a convolution of Eve because it's got snakes for hair. And it's a female demon. Well, if demon means to distribute fortunes, and Eve took of the tree she was distributing fortunes to herself, she was the first human demon. She was distributing the fortunes of the tree. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's what she saw in the tree. So she starts distributing that to herself, and she's... uh, What was I going to? So she's distributing the fortunes, and that's that's why Perseus went down, went down into Hades, and he kills Medusa and puts her head in a sack. And he can't look at her eyes because she's got eyes as a flame of fire. And so what he has to do, he heads back to where Andromeda, his wife, which is a picture of the church, is being persecuted. And she first thing they do to her is baptize her in water, and then they tie her to a rock, and Christ is the rock, and we're baptized and tied to Christ. And when Perseus comes back, He's coming back on a flying white horse. That's Pegasus, isn't it? Flying white horse. And this is all fairy tales or myth. Flying white horse. And when you look at... You look at Revelation, the 19th chapter, Jesus is coming back on a flying white horse. Somebody did some digging to make that movie. (coughs) And when he comes back, the kraken comes up out of the sea. That's the beast out of the sea. The beast out of the sea is Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. But they think it's just a monster. And it's more than a monster. It's Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome coming out of the Mediterranean. But they show it's the Kraken. I believe it's K-R-A-K-A-K-E-N. And that's supposed to be the beast. 
And when Perseus, when he gets to the beast and he's coming up out of the sea, he pulls that out of the bag and puts the eyes towards the beast. And the Bible speaks in the 19th chapter of of Revelation that Christ is coming back with eyes as a flame of fire. And he destroys the beast. Evidently, somebody did more research than Baptist preachers do. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's just a parallel doctrine. Parallel to the truth. Now, I've got all kinds of things in this fairy book. Listen to this. Animistic origin. This is out of the fairies. This is out of guys who wrote history and sociology on the fairies in Ireland. This is a long way from the American Indian. Listen to this. Animistic origin of belief in pixies. I should say that the modern belief in pixies or in fairies arose from a very ancient Celtic or pre-Celtic belief in spirits. Just as among some savage tribes, there's a belief in gods and totems. T-O-T-E-M-S. It's just... And then it talks about fairy guardians. Fairy guardian, a, a guardian fairy or pixie, that's a guardian angel. Or a pixie who can make miraculous cures. And then it goes on to talk about an actual case which a changeling was changeling was put through the stone. Whew, through the stone, that's another. They had good and bad little folk or pixies. And they gambled, G-A-M-B-O-L-L-E-D. Gamble means to dance around all over the moors on mid on moonlight nights because they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You can't read all this. It's just, it's packed full of these things. And it goes on, let me give you this and I'll stop on this. I don't know how to even tell you all about this without reading it. And it talks about here demon demon possession theory. How much time do I have, Mike? Mike? How much time do I have? I'm not really getting much said today. The fairy changeling belief in all Celtic other other countries, the Chinese demons enters in and takes complete possession of a child's body while the child's soul is out of it during sleep. That's all fairy things. Let me show you that the people in early in early Bible times they called their gods by the title of demons. Go over to First Corinthians ten. I can't get to all this. These fairy tales are something else. And they're written by men who are reputable sociology teachers. They're just trying to tell you the truth about what things mean. Go over here to Acts. The 17th chapter. Acts 17. Now, go first of all, go to 1 Corinthians 10. Then we'll go back to Acts 17. 1 Corinthians 10. Because I love this verse. 
I love what it says. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 20. Well, let me read 19 and 20. This is talking about the people that offer sacrifices at Corinth at these various pagan temples. And then verse 19, he says, What say I then, that the idol is anything? No, it's not. Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say, and the Jews would buy these idol sacrifices out in the marketplace, and they called these these places in the market the shambles. That's where they sold these sacrifices to people in the city, even if they were Christians. But I say, verse 20, that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice in these temples to devils, and the word is daemonion. They sacrifice to demons. What he's saying is the people believed they were sacrificing to demons. That's what they called their gods. And not to God. I would not that you should have fellowship with daemonion, demons. No fellowship with these people when they're doing this. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. The cup of the Lord is death to self. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. A testament. Diathike means last will and testament. You have to die that for the, to employ the last will and testament. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. You can't drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of distributing fortunes. The cup of the Lord is death to self. The cup of devils or damnion is distributing fortunes to self. You can't die to self and fulfill self at the same time. That's what Paul is saying. The Lord's table was the sacrifice at the at the altar. That was called the Lord's table because that's where the priest ate from. They had the they had the altar here, the brazen sea down here, and every sacrifice they'd offer there had to be offered with salt. You'll find that in Leviticus the first chapter, and that way it made it more tasty, and all the priests ate from that table. That was called the table of the Lord in the forty fourth and the forty second chapter of Isaiah. So it was God's table. Well, you can't eat at the table of distributing fortunes and the table of God at the same time. It's like you can't be up and down at the same time. I'm just trying to show you that they call their idols by the title of demons. Now look here in Acts, the 17th chapter. Paul is coming to Greece. This is on his second missionary journey he ends his first missionary journey in Acts 15 the previous chapter he gets the men together and he goes on his second journey and he's coming to Athens and he's in Greece in the nation of Greece and comes to Athens Athens was more or less the that was the home of all the pagan gods. They had all the gods there. And while Paul waited for them, talking about Silas and Timotheus, 
at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city completely given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with Jews. Jews have a synagogue at Athens. Evidently nobody's talking to people about their gods. And with the devout persons and the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and Stoics. Epicureans were simply philosophy guys and they thought they could philosophize their way into their sort of a heaven. And the Stoics were the same way. These were pagans. <clears throat> and they encountered Paul. And some of these Stoics and Epicureans said about Paul, what will this babbler, this Paul do? Or what will he say? Verse 18. And others, some, said this about Paul. He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange casino, casinos. Strange is an occasional guest. Strange gods. That word gods is not the word God. It's the word daemonion. They said he's a setter forth of strange demons. See, the reason they said strange demon, because they had their own demons that they called the Ammonion or their gods. They were here at Athens. They had Jupiter and Venus and Ares and Aphrodite and all these gods that they had. They had Neptune, Mercury, Venus, Apollo, Ceres, Vulcan, Vesta. They had among the Roman gods they had Pluto, Diana, Artemis, Mars. We get the word Tuesday from Mars Day. It means the same thing as Mars. Janus. They had Mars and Vestal Virgins and Ray and the they had Romulus and Remus and the twin sons of the Vestal Virgins. They had all of these gods there at Rome. All right, at uh, Greece. And they said, what will this Babylon say? Others, some, he seems to be a setter forth of strange demons. That's what they said. The fact that said strange demons meant they had their own demons that were not strange to them. Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. They called Jesus and the resurrection a strange demon. That's because demon and theos were interchangeable among the pagans. Theos is the Greek word God and D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Daemonion was interchangeable with theos, the word God in the Greek. They interchanged the two. And they took Paul and brought him to Oropagus, saying... May we know more of this new doctrine where you're speaking about Jesus and the resurrection. Thou bring us certain strange things to our ears about this man Jesus being resurrected from the dead. We would know therefore what these things mean.
For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but talk, just being philosophic. And either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, which was their place where they buried all their gods. And said, this is what Paul said to these men. I perceive in all things you are too superstitious. That's a great word. He said, you're too superstitious. D-C-D-E-I-S-I. D-A-I-M-O-N. E-S-T-E-R-O-S. That's the word superstitious. Too superstitious. This is the word. D-C. D-A-I-M-O-N. E-S-T-E-R-O-S. You notice the word daemonion in the middle of that? Daemon. This means a fear of the gods. You have too much fear of the gods. It comes from Delia, D-E-I-L-I-A, which means timid or afraid or fear. And daemonion, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. It means the fear of the demons or the gods because they had all these plaques to their gods there at Rome. You are too superstitious. D.C. Dominus means you have a fear of the gods. That's why you got... Look on the next verse. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. That's the one I want to talk to you about. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. The one true God that made the world and all things therein, seeing he that is Lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and hath made all things. Now, I'm trying to document as much as this as I can. I've got a book. This is a really a good book. It was put together by some men who were very good sociologists. It's called Dictionary and Deities and Demons of the Bible. It's about that thick. It's a real thick book. It's a big book. And he says some things about this. Let me read some things. I'm What I'm trying to do is just to verify that demons and fairies and and genies were all the same thing. They were man's wild and vivid imagination. The term demon is the rendering of the cognate Greek words daemon, D-A-I-M-O-N, and its substantive neuter adjective daemonion. Post-classical Latin borrowed the words in the forms D-A-E-M-O-N, D-A-E-M-O-N-I-U-M, the original of the term daemon. 
the term of Homer onward was divinity. Homer, the old philosopher, called it divinity. The etymology more likely stems from the root dio, meaning to divide destinies. The word fairy comes from the word comes from a word that means fate, F-A-T-E. Thus the word would designate one's fate or destiny. Or the spirit controlling one's fate, one's genius. See, they're putting all this in one article. Genius, which the Romans call the same thing the Jews call demons. Commonly the word designated the class of lesser divinities that's very interesting. Arranged below the Olympian gods, the Dalmanes, D-A-I-M-O-N-E-S. These were supposed to be D-A-I-O-M-O-N-E-S. Dalmanes, this means they were once gods in the pantheon, pan, pantheon, is the temple of the gods. In the pantheon, these were gods in the pantheons, and the Delmanes had been demoted, demoted to a lesser god, to a god that was a man. I was a man that was a god. That's like Hercules when you see him in a movie. He is a man. And the first demon was Eve that was a woman. And then and then you had Adam who ate of the same tree. And he was a man that was a demon after that. Demon means to distribute fortunes. And that's what they did with the tree. I'm just simply giving you documentation on all this. The etymology likely stems from the root dio, D-A-I-O, to divide destinies. Thus the word would cognate one's fate or destiny and the spirit controlling one's fate, one's genius. Commonly the word designated the class of a lesser divinities arranged below the Olympian gods, the Delmonais. Hesiod a historian describes them as souls of those who lived in the golden age who now invisibly watch over human affairs and that's guardians no such thing as guardian angels if God has declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times everything that's not yet done he doesn't need any angels to help him does he no not until post-exilic times after they came out of the exile, the Jews, in intertestamental literature with the rise of dualism. Dualism, dual means two. Dualism means good and bad gods, good and bad demons, good and bad fairies, good and bad totems, good and bad. If you were American Indian, and your totem was a wolf, you would never shoot wolves. He was watching over you. He was your guardian. Y'all realize how corrupt our whole society is? All these superstitions. Devil did the word begin to display the meaning evil demon in the league with the devil. Then in the Septuagint, Christian writers used to all 
most exclusively in this later sense. The related term daemonion in the classical period meant similarly divine power or divinity, a god. How many gods are there? One. It could also mean the class of lower divine beings between gods and mortals, and they were mediators. But wait a minute, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, isn't it? I see all of this through here. It's just, it's insane. The word and concept demon underwent fundamental change in antiquity caused by a rise of dualism good and bad demons the universe as a unified system in which member divine and human that's the redeification of them had its proper domain and function above there was as yet no arch enemy the devil nor the rival camp of satanic demons and it goes on and on now I got more, I got so much information out of my library. It's just, it's crazy. Where did, did they call their gods demons in the Old Testament? Yes. <clears throat> Let me just give you some things. I told you last week, you got two places where the Bible speaks of shed. When it was translated, they translated out of the Old Testament, demon or demonion. What is the use of all this? It's to get you away from all this superstition of believing all this garbage. The only thing that's evil upon the earth is man's heart. The scripture tells us in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is a thing. <clears throat> heart is a thing. Demon is a thing. How do you know that? Because every time the Bible refers to demonion in the New Testament, when the people referred to them, they called them feminine gender. When the Bible refers to demonion, it's always neuter gender. It is a thing. Therefore, when the heart is deceitful of all things, if there was such a thing as a demon, your heart would lay it in the shade. Your heart would be more wicked than that. You see, they invented demons and fairies and and totems so they didn't have to take the blame for their sin. So they have to repent. They've come up with it and say, well, he has a demon. <coughs> you got the word E-L-I-Y-L all through the Old Testament. E-L-I-Y-L. Every time it's used in the Old Testament, in the Septuagint, the translators translate it D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. They translate it Damonion. When they translated Septuagint in 200 B.C., long before there was a New Testament. You'll find that 
in Isaiah 65 and 11 when they translate troop the word when Israel offered drink offerings to that troop troop is the word gad and it means to distribute fortunes in fact look over at that that is I love teaching on the 65th chapter of Isaiah because God is rejecting Israel all through that chapter and telling them I'm going to call my people by another name and that will be Gentile church and he says I'm going to Isaiah 65 65 and he says he's talking about turning away from Israel because they're evil and they went after all these gods which were called demons and then he said I am sought of them 65 and when I am sought of them that ask not for me I am found of them that sought me not which is Gentile church and that's a prophecy of the New Testament. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. And you'll hear that quoted nearly verbatim in Romans 10.20. And he keeps talking all through Isaiah, I'm going to call my people by another name. And the Gentiles will come to my light. And that's a prophecy of the New Testament church. I've spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. And then a people that provoke me to anger, that's Israel, which may which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh, which is against their laws, and broth of abominable things is in their vessels, which say, Stand not by thyself, come not near me, for I am holier than thou thought that was a saying in America. That is a biblical word. They said, I'm holier than the Gentiles. Then God talks about turning away from them. But he says in verse 11, But ye are they, talking to Israel, you are they that forget the Lord and forsake my holy mountain, which is Zion, which is where the temple sits, that prepare a table for that troop. Troop is the word gad, meaning to distribute fortunes. And when the translators of the Septuagint translated it, they translated it into daemonion, demon. You see, the translators knew these gods <coughs> that they served were called demons. Translators were smart. And then you got all these other verses. He said, poured out drink offerings to that... He said prepare a table for that troop pour out drink offerings to that number Mene M-E-N-I-Y that was another demon Mene is the is the word Alan get the word Allah from that Allah was the God of the Arab people of the Muslims then if you want a I've got all these 
all these verses where they translated the word idol unto Daimonion in Leviticus 19 and 4 where he tells Israel turn not unto idols Elil Daimonion in Leviticus 26 and 1 you shall make no idols Elil Daimonion is what they translated it to so they say your idols are your demons we well, say I'm not involved in idolatry remember idolatry means to serve what you see you sure you're not worshiping your car or your house or your diamond ring or your things or your stuff? And then in First Chronicles sixteen twenty six, for all the gods of the people are idols, Elio, Demonion, demons. It says that all through the Old Testament, Job thirteen and four. But you are forgers of lies, you're all physicians of no value, Elio. Damonion. Psalms 96 and 5. For all the gods of the nations are idols, illegal demons. Psalms 97 and 7, Isaiah 2 and 8, Isaiah 2 and 18, Isaiah 2 and 20. You got idols mentioned there and they translated demon. Isaiah 10 10, Isaiah 10 11, Isaiah 19 and 1, 19 and 3. Isaiah 31 and 7, all these idols were translated demon in the Septuagint. Jeremiah 14 and 14, Ezekiel 30 and 13, you have Elil, Elil, E-L-I-Y-L, and they translated, the translators in the Septuagint translated demon. Habakkuk 2.18, what profit is the graven image that the maker thereof has given it, the molten image, and teacher of lies that make of his work trust us there to make dumb idols, Elio, demons. Demons were just statues. Do I have any time, Mike? Let me read something else to you. I'm going to say some more next week about this. On my next... This is out of Harvest. This is a book I got. I paid like $4 for it on a special about 20 years ago. I was down here at the book attic. <clears throat> they had a bunch set, bunch of books sitting out there on a special shelf. They were on sale, and I paid $4 for this. This is a magnificent book. It's called Harvest of Hellenism. Remember, Hellas was a term for Greece and all of its culture and languages and all of its philosophy. Now, when I read this, you probably won't understand it. But just understand the gist of it. Julius Caesar's conversion of the Roman state to the Egyptian solar year was another milestone along the route. Sun cult, which is what Israel was involved in, and solar calendar are closely related as the Republic passed to empire the religion of the sun the birthday of the sun god was december the 25th that was mithra's birthday in rome he was the chief sun god of babylon and i have preached on this till i'm blue in the face haven't i so i won't say a lot about it the sun waned till it got down the brightness of the sun waned from Decep- from June the 21st, the the summer solstice to the winter solstice to 
December the 21st, the longest nights of the year. And they said they'd give the, the son a birthday. Since it was going to start increasing. So they gave the birthday of the son, December the 25th. The birthday of the invincible son. That's what it says here. That's December the 25th. This Natalis Solus Invicti, which fell shortly after the winter solstice. I just told you that was celebrated with pomp in the empire after Nero, who styled himself the new Helios, which is a word for sun in the Roman language. The cult of the sun and its its association with imperial ideas had marked vogue. It was cool. It was up to date. The sovereign emperors openly embraced it as their own, and no one knew or remembered or cared that the veil of Helios Helio Gabalus was originally a sky god, not a sun god only, and that the emperor's name was Elagabalus. Finally, Aurelian constituted the worship of Sol Invictus as the official cult of the empire. The belief in the divinity of the omnipotent and universal sun was but one aspect of the movement, so marked in late antiquity toward a single supreme God, a movement which left the traditional gods in a position which was theoretically, at any rate, ambiguous. So they didn't worship all the big gods of Rome anymore. They were more or less put to a lower level, and he tells you that. That's what the demons were. The solar religion attempted to meet this particular problem at least two ways. One was to reduce the traditional Olympians. Mount Olympus was where the gods lived. It was the pantheon of gods. To aspects of manifestations of the one supreme god, which was the sun god. The other made evolutionary solution was to downgrade the Olympians to the status of Diomones, D-A-I-M-O-N-E-S. That's where the demons come from. They were reduced down to Hercules or Venus, and they were humans who were gods. And they were called D-A-I-M-O-N-E-S, Diomones. I hope you can get a hold of a lot of the things I'm saying. This is, it's nothing but a pollution of the Word of God. I've got more on this. And then it says here at the bottom of the page, appropriated about the middle of the 4th century, what about 325 A.D.? That's in the 4th century. What about 354 A.D. when it became official holiday for the Roman Catholic Church in the middle of the 4th century by the Christian Church as the birthday of Jesus and it wasn't Damon had a dual nature the vital principle of living things where the soul where the soul Damon is sometimes within and sometimes outside its normal dwelling place, the body. Eventually led to important position as minor gods. Minor gods, that's how they became humans and gods at the same time. Damonace was a minor god. 
a daemon. It was a human that was a daemon. That's what Adam and Eve were. They distributed the fortunes of the tree themselves. Dwelling place of the body. It was the first way of looking at daemonase that eventually led to their important position as minor gods and messengers. Angeloi. Angeloi is, we get our word angel from that. Angel means messenger. Of the high gods to men, they came down and communicated with men. Demons are not what you think they were. And he says, this evolved to the personal demon of Socrates and Plato. That's what we need, is Socrates and Plato, two pagans and heathens telling us what demons are. Finally, into the guardian angel of the Judeo-Christian tradition. They had to evolve into that. I'm out of time. I'll come back. I just wanted to document the things on demons. And that's what I've done today. I can't document it without reading it. It's just too much. I hope you're getting a hold of this stuff. It's I've been hesitant to read this stuff. I can't say it the way I can read it. I can tie it with Scripture, how they have run a parallel doctrine, like the if you run running water over the casket of a gab, of a vampire, it keeps him within his casket and he can't rise. That's living water that keeps the dead dead. I hope this has helped some. I felt like it was pretty heavy stuff to read, but I felt compelled to read it. If you want to get any of these things, I'll be glad to give you give the information about I don't know where you can buy this thing on fairy tales. On fairies, I bought most of these books used. When you get into fairies, it crisscrosses with demons and with with genies and guardians. If you get the McClinic and Strong, you look up demons and spirits, it uses all of these in the same paragraphs. Demons, genies. Genie comes from the word gene. That means your ancestors. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for revealing these things to us. What a God you are. Thank you for letting us see that this is just a mess of the ancient gods of the ancient world. There's nothing but you. You're the only God. Jesus is the only Savior. Thank you for all these truths. Fight our battles for us and give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. I hope that wasn't confusing. It was the best I could lay it out. I know that it takes a lot to read this stuff. I know people are not willing to read that much. Most people I recommend books, they don't read them, and I understand that. Most people don't have the time. Men are working and wives are keeping house. And finding time is really difficult. That's all I've got is time. That's why I read everything in sight. And I've... We don't know what nothing means anymore. Just 
we live the world is very stupid they're not only ignorant and unlearned they're just stupid preachers don't preachers just don't have good sense <laughs> 